are starting a new series tonight called Sticky Situations. We're talking about some uh, stuff in life that sometimes kind of sticks to us, kind of holds us back from really living for God the way that he's designed. And tonight we're going to start with our first uh, subject and kind of to, to get us going and get us thinking about it. Um, we're going to watch, uh, this is the skit guys. Tom and Eddie, the skit guys, here to help you to conquer your fear with five tips. That's right. Number five, acknowledge your fear. Write it down. Get it out there. Oh, do that, Tommy. Do that. That's a great idea, okay? Here's the thing. When you write down your fear, it kind of helps just squelch the fear. Tommy is going to show you right now that we all have this in common. We all have fears. This is Tommy's number one fear. This is my number one fear. I've seen it happen to people, and it's tragic. I can't imagine what it would be like to... Really? So much skin. Number four, realize that most of your fears don't even come true. Yours did. This isn't a fear. Looks like it should have been. When it comes to those fears, they don't really ever come true. Like some people have a fear of garden gnomes coming alive in the middle of the night and destroying you. What? Yes, a bunch of people fear that. I don't think so. It's a legitimate fear. Those little statues in people's yards. Those evil statues in people's yards. Oh, this is your fear. You're afraid of... No, you're afraid of garden gnomes. I'm not. Yes, no, you I'm are. not. I'm not Look at you. Me. No. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Number three, do the thing you fear. Yes. Yes. Like, stay the night in a yard filled with garden gnomes. No, it really is a good idea to do what you fear. In fact, Winston Churchill said, do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. No, Winston Churchill didn't say that. Hmm? Emerson said that. What? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. How do you know that? Well, I had a college class on, and there was a, did you just say, how do I know that? Yep. Okay, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious what it would look like if I shaved your head. It's not funny. I'm not laughing. Number two, be curious. Yeah, because when you're curious, you're not focusing on your fear. You're squelching your fear. You're, you're opening the door for God's wonder. Curiosity does that. Yeah, and you'll also find that curiosity did not kill the cat. It was that creepy kid across the street. There's someone to be afraid of. You don't even be afraid of him. Because the number one way to conquer your fear is to trust in God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For the Spirit of the Lord is not a fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Yep. In fact, I got you a little keepsake to help you remember that. Thanks, buddy. That's what I like about this guy. He's always thinking of other people. <laughs> so there you have it, friends. Go out there. Conquer your fear. Make that bucket list of things that you want to do and know that God is on your side because there is no thing that you have to be afraid of. All right, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to talk about fear tonight, and uh, hopefully you're not afraid of garden gnomes or uh, going bald. It's really not that bad. Uh, so some interesting stuff, for instance, I discovered this week, you may, you may know this, but, but babies are only naturally afraid of two things. True. When we're born, we're only born with basically two fears. Uh, the fear of falling 
and the fear of loud noises, right? And who can blame babies for that? Like, but here's the thing. As we get older, we learn new fears. So it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about it. As we get older, we learn to fear more and more and more things. Like, you know, like spiders. Like, I want to get this shirt. Have you seen this shirt? This is a great shirt. It says, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself and spiders, right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> which is really good. But like spiders and, you know, flies, if you're my daughter. Uh, you know, different things that... Uh, or, or how about, who's afraid, like honestly, okay? Anyone been afraid of the dark? The dark? Oh, there you go. Thank you. So, yeah, like the dark is not... So it made me think, when I was growing up, in fact, a, a couple years ago... Uh, I went down to L.A., and I drove in my old neighborhood and took a picture of the house I grew up in mostly. And while I was there, I'm um, taking a picture because I wanted to show it to my kids. Um, the, the family that owns the house came home, and so they were wondering why there was a guy parked across the street uh, with his window down taking pictures of the house. So I introduced myself, and it was, a, it was the same family that bought the house from us like 150 years ago. And, uh, and so they said, hey, you know, you want to come in and walk through the house? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've been there a long time. Went in and walked through the house, and I don't know when they built the house. It was probably built in the early 50s. And, um, and the thing I remember about this house is it had wood floors, and this is in Orange County. And so it get really, you know, get nice and warm in the daytime, and we had these wood floors in the hallway. And then at night when the house would cool down, the wood floors would start to creak, right? Any of you ever, like, had that in your house? And so now I was just a kid, and I was, but I was absolutely positive at night when everyone else was sleeping, that I could hear someone come in the house and they would just walk up and down the bedroom hallway. They'd just walk up and down because I could hear it. I could hear it. And it was so petrified. And I grew up always thinking like, what's the matter with my dad and my mom that they can't hear that? Like somebody keeps sneaking in the house every night and I would like be in my bed. I would be scared to death. And so what I did was I would always have to close my door, my bedroom door. Because uh, I figured, you know, if they, if, they, if they break in the house and they're walking down the hallway, and if, at least if I hear that doorknob, if I, hear, if I see it turning and the door creaking, then I have time to, I don't know, jump out the window or something. But it was kind of like my, my fail-safe. So when it was dark, I'd have the door closed. And then the other thing was, um, no appendages can ever be hanging over the edge of the bed, right? No arms, no legs, because that's the first thing to go, right? If somebody's walking up and down the hallway and they, right? So I don't know about you, I, my fears were completely rational um, of the guy who walked up and down the hallway. And, and one of the things, though, that I have found over the years is that uh, whether they're rational or not or whatever they are, I found that all of us, every one of us battle with fear from time to time. And our fears vary, but we all have some. Uh, this week I was doing a little research on fear and found several lists that kind of listed the same thing of, of the four most common fears that people have. And I've got them in your notes. The first one is this. It's, it's the fear of loss. Um, the fear of, of losing something that is important to you. Uh, so for some of you, maybe, you know, your fear is uh, losing a parent. Uh, for those of you who are married, it might be losing a spouse. Um, that's something you worry about. That's something maybe that you're anxious about. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, a, it's the fear of losing a child. It's, maybe it's irrational. Maybe there's no reason to feel that way, but you do. You think about it. Um, for some of you, it's, it's fear of losing a, a financial loss or maybe losing your job or your, your health or your home. Uh, for some people, it's the loss of control. Um, that's something that many, many of us, myself included, fear. Uh, we fear losing control of, uh, of our kids, of our independence. A lot of, a lot of us, as we get older, fear um, losing control of, of our body. Um, for some people, there's the fear of failure. 
uh, where maybe you want to try something, but you're afraid that you won't succeed. And so you're paralyzed. And even though you want to try it, even though maybe God wants you to try it, you're not going to try it because you might fail. Maybe it's uh, interviewing for a job that you want, but you're afraid you're going to fail. So you're paralyzed. You you can't do it. Maybe it's being part of a team or a group or or maybe it's a a, a career venture. Maybe it's it's going back to school or being involved in some ministry. Uh, but, But we can become paralyzed by the fear of failure. The third one that was on the list was the fear of rejection. So again, this is kind of relational and and maybe for some of you guys, you, you, you are there, maybe you were there, you know, you wanted to ask someone out, but you were afraid they'd, they'd reject you and you weren't sure you could handle the rejection, so you, you just don't ask. Or, or maybe for some of you, um, you're afraid that your, your spouse, and I hear this from, from time to time from people who seem to have, you know, great marriages, and, and sometimes a mate will say, I'm just afraid my spouse is going to reject me. And when I ask where that comes from, they'll say, well, I've just seen it so many times, and we hear about it so much in our culture, don't we? Or parents who are afraid their kids are going to reject them, or, or, or the other way around, and our fear is that it would just be devastating if we had to deal with that kind of rejection. Or maybe for some of you, you're just so insecure that, and, and you want everyone to like you. And so you're always thinking, you know, do they like what I'm wearing? And do they like my Facebook posts? And, you know, do they like my ideas and my house and my car? And we're just driven by that need to be liked by people. And we're, we're afraid of rejection. And the fourth one, and this kind of covers a lot of terri- but, territory, but it's just the fear of the, the unknown. Or sometimes we call it the fear of the what if, right? What if? Do you ever do that? Like, life's going along and it's fine, but you start thinking, what if? What if I get sick? What if I can't work? What if I don't pass the test? You know, what if I don't get the job? What if I get the job and I don't like the job? What if I can't get rid of the job? What if, you know, what if the car won't start? What if the cat has kittens? You know, just these things that we're so afraid of. And, and I've, seen, I've seen people actually in, in really unhealthy situations and unhealthy jobs and unhealthy relationships where there's stuff going on that is not good and they can't seem to get out of those situations because as bad as they are, they're afraid that if they get out, it could even be worse on the outside. And so they're, they're paralyzed by that. Or I have a few friends, and I'm sure you're not one of them, but you know, you know people like this who, like, you'll say, how's it going? And they'll be like, everything's great. Everything is perfect, which makes me afraid because I'm afraid of what's going to happen, right? Because when everything's perfect, something really bad's about to happen, right? So you worry about the what if. Now, in, in, instead of uh, uh, the common fears of loss and failure and rejection and, and the unknown and whatever it else, whatever else it is that you maybe are afraid of, in 2 Timothy, the Bible tells us something really, really different about what God has given us. Uh, it says this, God has not given us, notice, he has not given us a spirit of fear or, or timidity, it says in some of your um, Bibles, but of three things, of power and of love and of self-control. So God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but read the second part with me, but, but power and love and self-control. So it says that he has not given us, and the word in the Greek for fear literally means cowardice. So God does not give you and I a fear of, of uh, 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 cowardice or um, a, a fear or timidity in our life. And yet the interesting thing is that for so many of us, we are controlled by anxiety and, and by worry. But that doesn't come from God. What comes from God? Well, he says three things. The first is power. And the Greek word there is the word dunamos. We get the word dynamite from that. And it refers to power or or supernatural power or might or strength. In other words, what what he's saying here is that that when we face fear, we are not powerless. Because we have an all-powerful God 
who is living in us. Um, he has the power to change our circumstances if he wants. Uh, he, has, he has power over our enemies. He has power over our health. He has power over our job. He has power over our heart. Scripture says that God has given us power, but there's a second thing that God has given us, and that is love. And the, the word love there is the word agape, and you may have heard that before. It means love or goodwill or it's a sacrificial kind of love. And the idea, I think, here is this, that, that when we are facing things that we're afraid of, we need to remember that we have a God who loves us. A God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And that God has good plans for us. And that God cares for us. And that his love is, is beneficial in our lives. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and, and of self-control. Or, or some will say um, discipline. And, and that word there, I think, is just talking about this. It says that when we face fear in our life, things that we're afraid of, what he's saying here is that we don't have to freak out. We don't have to run for the hills. We don't have to curl up in the fetal position, you know, and, and suck our thumbs and, you know, say, I give up when we're, when we're afraid. I think what he's saying is this, that God's spirit is in you. And that means that, that you have the ability to control your response. And when you're, when you're afraid, you can resist the temptation to get negative in that, in that situation. Um, and you have the ability to accept God's peace. And, and you have the ability to turn to God instead of, of giving up. Now, sometimes you'll hear this. People will say that fear is the opposite of faith. And I understand where people are coming from when they say that. But I think probably more likely we could say that, that fear is faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. Fear is placing faith in the what ifs, right? What if something bad happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? Hasn't happened yet. Don't know that it's going to happen. But we begin to let those, those what ifs control our attitude and our, our, our anxiety and our worry and our decisions and the way we think about life instead of, instead of following God and obeying God, the one who gives us power and the one who gives us his love and the one who gives us his self-control. And, and the Bible is full of people who were controlled by fear more than faith at times. Moses was, was one of those guys. You probably know the story of Moses. He's kind of just getting into the, the third kind of section of his life. If you, you could break his life down into three 40-year sections, and, and he's probably somewhere around 80 years old, remember, and he's living in exile. He's living out in the desert. He's a, he's a goat herder, and, and one day he's walking along, and he sees this bush that's on fire. It's burning, right, but it's not consumed. So you know this, right? But if you're, if you're ever out on a hike and you come across a, like a burning azalea that doesn't, is not consumed and it starts to talk to you, then, you know, you should probably listen to it, right? And so God's, God's talking to him and God begins to, to, to tell Moses, he says, I'm going to use you um, to set my people free because the Israelites were under, um, under bondage to the Egyptians. And um, so, you know, God says to Moses, I'm, I'm going to use you to set my people free. And it, it would kind of be like, imagine that, that, you know, you go in your backyard tomorrow and you're, again, you're trimming the shrubs and, you know, God starts to talk to you. And, you know, or, or maybe you just open your Bible and, and God impresses on your heart, I'm going to use you to lead your neighbor to Christ. Right? How cool would that be? Or, you know, I'm going to use you to change the culture of where you work. It needs to be changed. And I'm going to use you to do that. Or, or I'm going to use you to be a light 
at, at your school, or, or I'm going to use you to impact the lives of, of people in a ministry at church, or, or to reach the unreachable, or I'm going to send you overseas to reach a group of people. And, and I don't know how you would react to that, but here's how, here's how Moses reacted. He totally went to the what if fear thing. It, Moses answered him, and notice what he says. He says, what if, right? So a burning bush is, is, is talking to him, and his response is, but what if? What, what if I go and the people don't, don't believe me? What if I go and, and, and they don't listen to me? What if they say that you're, you're nuts, you're crazy, right? Burning bushes don't talk. The, the Lord did not appear to you. And he just plays this, this what if game with God. And it's easy to look at the story of Moses and think, what was that guy thinking, right? Who listens to a burning bush and, and you know, just walks away and plays the what if game. But we, we do that all the time. We play the what if game with God. We open up our Bible and, and God says to us, for instance, love your enemies, and how many of you have read Love Your Enemies, but you think, yeah, but, but what if? What if I love my enemy and then they just walk all over me? What if they just totally take advantage of me, right? Or, or, or you read scripture and God says, you know, you need to put other people before yourself. And you think, well, I would, God, but what if I do that? And then, I, you know, and then all I do is I just serve them all the time. And no one ever meets my needs, you know? Or, you know, we read the Bible and it says, God says, I want you to be generous with people who are in need. And have you ever been like, well, God, I would do it, but what if I do it, and I do it, and I do it, and then I run out of money, and I've got nothing, right? Or God says something like, I want you to share the gospel with, with everyone that you come in contact with. But you say, but yeah, but what if I do, and then, and what if I don't, you know, what if they ask me questions, and what if I don't have the answer, and what if they're really mean, or, you know, what if they, what if I can't argue with them, or, or what if they're really into philosophy, and we can really they play those games with God? Or God says, I want you to, you know, obey your parents, right? You're, but what if, you know, what if they... Tell me to take out the trash, you know. Every day, God, you know, they might do that if I, if I obeyed them. Or God says, I want, you to, I want you to live in community. We talk about that all the time. God says, I want you to live as brothers and sisters. I don't want you to just come to church and, and do church. I want you to be the church. I don't want you to just talk about loving one another. I want you to actually love one another. But we think, yeah, God, but, but what if I do that? And, I, and, and then I'm not gonna, there's not enough time for that. And, and what if I do that? And then I can't watch my TV shows. And, you know, what if, what if, and what if they really do become my, you know, fridge friends and they eat all my food? And, you know, what if they do that? And, you know, God says, I want you to forgive one another. And again, we're saying, yeah, and I hear this all the time from people. I would forgive them, but, but, but what if I do that? And then they just keep sinning against me because I keep forgiving them. What if, what if, what if? My question for you is this. What are you not trusting God with right now? In what way are you playing the what-if game with God? What is it that God is calling you to do? What is it that he wants you to step out and do, but you just, you're living in fear instead of faith? God, what if, what if, what if, what if? So what do we do about that? How do we, how do we face our fears when, when God asks us to do something and we're afraid to do it. How do we do that? And I want to suggest two things. And the first one is this, that we need to make a choice when we're afraid. We need to make a choice to choose what I'm going to just call divine fear over useless fear. So I'm not talking about not having any fear in your life at all. It's just choosing the right fear. In Psalm 115, it tells us this. The psalmist says, you who notice you who what? Who, you, who fear the what? All right, let's try it again. You who the all right, all right. So you who fear the Lord, notice, trust in the Lord. So if you fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Uh, he is their help and their shield. So now that, that word fear there in the Hebrew, it, it means literally, it doesn't mean like a phobia kind of fear, like garden gnomes or going bald. It's, it's, it's a word that means awesome or, or it means to have an awesome reverence towards someone. It, it means 
to stand in awe of someone or something. So what he says is this, you who fear the Lord, that is you who stand with an awesome reverence towards God, because as you think about how great he is and how powerful he is and how big he is and how loving he is and omniscient and omnipotent and all those omnis, when you think about that, you kind of just stand in awe of him. You come to church on Saturday evening, you sing about him and you're just in awe of who he is. When you are in awe of God, he says, this is what you do. Watch this. He says, you trust now, the word trust in the Hebrew is an interesting word. It means to, to be bold. It, it means sometimes to be careless or, or to be complacent or confident or secure. And the idea is when you, when you tie it all together, I think in this passage, what it means is this. When you're facing fear, when you're dealing with difficult stuff in life, um, all you can think about is how awesome God is and how powerful God is. And so you're almost kind of casual about it. Things that, fears that freak out other people, you just kind of walk by, you're kind of casual, you almost kind of, some say this word has the kind of the idea of swagger to it. You know what I mean? You're just trying to walk by and you're like, whatever, right? Because God is so powerful to you. God is so great to you. God is so loving to you. He's more powerful than the what-ifs of your life, than any enemy or circumstance or problem or, or any anxiety. Now, David, who, who wrote this, these words, was someone who understood this idea. In fact, if you remember your, your, your history about David a little bit, you remember there was a, a, a period in history where David had been anointed as the next king of Israel, but Saul was still alive and, and Saul still had the power. And, and because uh, David was the up and, and coming king, Saul kind of despised him. And at one point, Saul wanted him dead. And so he sent out his soldiers to, to hunt down David, to find him. And, you know, I, I don't know how you picture that or how difficult that would be. But I mean, just imagine today that you somehow made enemies of the president of the United States. And so he sent out the FBI and, you know, the, the police and the SWAT teams, and they were looking for you. And that's kind of what's going on with David. This is all coming down on David. And so he's got to hide and, and, and men are hunting him down. And in Psalm 56, he says this. He says, my slanderers pursue me all day long. So he's talking about people who, who were lying about him and, and spreading rumors about him and untruths about him. And he said, these people are pursuing me all day long, right? So this is a continual, ongoing thing. It's not a one-time event. It's not like one time somebody slandered me and, you know, really hurt. This is going on day after day after day after day because sometimes God may not immediately take away the thing that we're afraid of. And such is the case for David. But he says this now, many are attacking me in their, in their pride. So these are, these are people who are being foolish, but they're being proud and, and they're coming after David. And that's probably hard for him to take. And then he says this, when I am afraid, right? Not, not if I ever happen to be afraid. He's just admitting sometimes I'm afraid. And when I'm afraid, he says, I will trust you in God whose word I praise. And again, he says it. In God I trust. And then he says this, and I will, I will not be afraid. And then he says this, these are great words. What can mortal man, what can mere people do to me? So he says, when I am afraid. So he admits that there are times when he's afraid. And that's, that's a good starting point for us. It's good for us sometimes to admit when we're afraid. I think sometimes we need to admit that to, my, to ourselves, that, that we have some fear. It's, it's good to be able to admit it to God. 
It's good sometimes to admit it to some spiritual friends that can encourage us and, and pray for us. I say this, but you know, you can't give to God what you don't identify. If you don't identify a fear, then how can you give that fear to God? So sometimes it's good to start there and say, God, you know what? I'm going through this thing and I have to admit, I'm kind of afraid right now. And then this is what you do. You do what David did. He did what he could to reduce his risk. So David didn't just like walk around the capital city, you know, like kind of go and bring it on. What can mortal man do to me, right? He was being reasonable. He was careful where he went. He was careful who he associated with. He wasn't out looking for trouble. He was doing his best to reduce risk. But David couldn't remove all risk. No matter what he did, there was still going to be danger because people were still hunting him down. And so this is what he does with all that fear, all right? It says this. He says, in God, I trust. He says, I will not be afraid. And here's why. Because David said, I thought about it and I realized, what can, what can mere man do to me? Now, we would say, well, um, mortal man can kill you. <laughs> mortal man can capture you. Mortal man can throw you in prison and torture you. Uh, mortal man could make you, you know, miserable. But, but for David, this is all a matter of comparison. He's like, you know, I thought about it, and I thought about Saul, and I thought about what he could do to me, and I'm, you know, and why I would be afraid of him. But every time I think about Saul, I think about God. So it's kind of hard to be super afraid, you know, of Saul when I think about the great big God that I serve. Now, I'm not going to be stupid, and I'll admit, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I break out into a sweat because I forget a little bit about God. I'm like, ooh, Saul's trying to kill me, and that's really bad. And then all of a sudden, I think about it, and I remember, oh, wait a minute. There's God. I forgot about God. There's God, and there's Saul. So he admits, sometimes my perspective gets a little bit off. Sometimes I get a little bit afraid. Sometimes I wake up in the dark, and I'm like, oh, no, you know, it's dark. I'm afraid. Oh, wait, there's God. He says, and I choose God. When I'm facing my fears, I have to make a decision. The decision is this. Who's going to influence me? Who's going to influence my attitude in my heart? That's the choice we make. Is it going to be the fear of the what if, or is it going to be my awesome God? In Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says this. He says, who of you, by, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Jesus is just saying this. Worry and anxiety are useless. And we know that. It, it, won't do, it won't do you any good. It won't benefit you in any way. It's useless. In Psalm 27, 1, it says this. Great advice. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's a good thing to remind yourself when you're afraid. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The next time you're going through the what ifs, you ever do this, what if this, and then it leads to a bigger what if, and then what if this, and what if this? And He says, just remember in the middle of that. He says, remember that the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the first thing we need to do is be honest and, and admit our fears and, and then choose to trust God and who he is and his awesomeness. Because really, when you think about it, where we place our trust will determine our attitude. It will determine our words and our relationships and our schedules and all that. But here's the second thing we want to do. And that is we want to seek God until he takes away our fears. All right, so here's what I mean by this. In the, in the first step that we talked about, what we're really talking about is acting in faith. Right? That first point was this. When you're afraid, you need to make a decision. And the decision is this. Who are you going to trust? In the what ifs or in God? But it may happen that at times you decide, I'm going to trust God. And so you begin to follow God. You begin to trust God. You, you do what God's called you to do. But what happens if you're following God and you're still afraid, right? You're still waking up in the middle of the night, breaking out in the sweat. What do you do about that? In Psalm 34, it tells us this. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord 
And he answered me. And notice what he says. And he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fear. He says, I sought the Lord when I was afraid. So we seek God. We, we seek God through, through prayer. Or we talk with God and say, you know, God, I'm afraid, you know. And I'm, I'm making a choice to follow you, but I'm still afraid. That person's still hassling me. That problem's still there. That doctor still needs to talk to me. I, my job still seems like it's on the line, God. I'm, I'm following you. I'm trying to be brave, but I'm still scared. And he says here, I sought the Lord. We seek God in prayer. When we're afraid, we seek God in his word. Because there's so much power to be found there. We seek God when we're afraid. We seek him through wise relationships with other people, people who know God. We, we seek God through a grow group. We seek God by having people pray for us. We seek God through meditation and we seek him and we seek him and we seek him and we don't stop until he's taken away our fear because God can do that. I was thinking uh, it was a week ago. In fact, it was Saturday afternoon last week, and I, I was kind of having uh, one of those weeks where I was looking. Uh, I was looking ahead over the next couple of weeks, and I was thinking about all my responsibilities and all the stuff that I had to do. I was thinking about it's kind of an extra busy time at, at Gateway right now, and then I was thinking as a father, we got a lot of stuff coming up, and a, and, a, and a musical coming up, and graduation coming up, and two students in college coming up, and health decisions to make, and financial decisions to make, and I remember. Just it was Saturday. It was about like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm just kind of thinking, and I don't know, maybe you're not like this, but once I start doing this, I just start thinking about more things and more things. And so I'm kind of sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to get ready to preach in the evening. And it's just, it's getting worse and worse. And so finally, I just kind of realized all these what ifs and all of this fear. And so I just went in the bedroom and I closed the shades and I lay down in the bed and I closed my eyes and I just told God, I'm just going to be here with you and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait and I'm going to wait. I'm just going to talk to you because I need you to take away my fear. And I really believe that God honors this. I, God, he, he's not saying here like, uh, you know, when you're driving down the road, just throw up a quick prayer and be on your way. He says, no, you seek God and you seek God and you seek God. And here's what I want to tell you. When you seek God like that, you will find him. And you will find that God absolutely will deliver you. He will deliver you from your fear. That's what he says here. He says, now sometimes the way God delivers us is he'll, he'll take away the thing that we're afraid of. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes we're afraid of something and God takes it away. But sometimes what God does is he doesn't change the circumstance. He just takes away the fear. And if you've ever had that happen, you know what I mean when you say there's no mistaking that it's something that God has done in your life. When your circumstance hasn't changed, but your worry, but your fear, but your anxiety is gone. And Philippians 4 gives us just a real practical idea about how to do this. How do we seek God when we're afraid? And maybe tonight you're here and you're like, you're thinking about something that you're afraid of right now. Some fear that you're facing. And maybe you're wondering, how do I do that? Here's some great advice. Listen to what Paul says. He says this, do not be anxious. So he's talking about fear. So let's watch this. Do not be anxious about what? Anything, all right? So first of all, that's the first important point. So it'd be easy to be like, don't, don't be anxious about all those dumb things that your friends are worried about, right? That's what he says. Like, but you know, there's things you're worried about and those are like legitimate. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, don't be anxious about the small things, only the big things. He says, don't be anxious about anything. So that's a good starting point for us. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, here we go, by prayer. Now that word prayer just means, in general, it just means to talk to God. 
It's not a real specific word. Just, and, and here's how we do it. We, we just talk to God, all right? And, and it says with prayer and petition. Now that word petition, and some of your Bibles may say supplication. It's the idea of asking God for things. So when you're anxious, don't be anxious. What do you do? He says, don't just try hard not to be anxious, right? Just, he says, instead, talk to God. Just talk to him and, and, and petition him. Tell him what you need. And then notice what he says. With thanksgiving. That's really important. With thanksgiving. What are the things that you're thankful for? And, and you present your request to God. And then he goes on and he says this. And here's what happens. And the peace of God. I love this. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Now what that, that phrase basically means is the peace of God which is, not, which is not tied down to your circumstances. That's really what he's saying. So it has nothing to do with your circumstances. The peace of God has nothing to do with what the doctor tells you. It has nothing to do with the balance in your bank account. It has nothing to do with what that person wrote on Facebook about you or what that person said or about your job review. See, this is beyond all circumstances, which is how some of your translations read. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, it means when you look at it, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, when I look at my situation, I should be worried. I should be stressed. I should be upset. But the peace of God, it doesn't make any sense in human terms. And notice, and it will guard. It will guard your heart. And it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. So we talk to God. Sometimes God will change your circumstances. He may remove the source of your fear. But even if God doesn't change your circumstances when you go to him in prayer, he can still give you peace that is not tied to your circumstances, that is not tied to that relationship, that is not tied to your job. God can do that for you, but only God can do that for you. How do we get that from God? We seek God. There's no other way. There's no shortcut. And I I say that because for, for many of us, that's a weakness. Seeking God continually is a weakness. And we're going to talk a lot about that in this series. Why would we do that? And how do we do that? But for many of us, we just, we want to throw up a quick prayer or have somebody encourage us and be on our way. And, but he says we need to seek God, seek God, seek God. And then he will give us peace. I was thinking, uh, this, this passage has always been one of my favorites. But I, th- I was thinking a lot about this back uh, in, in the early part of the year. And I've shared this with you a little bit. But back in December, Gateway was uh, forming a team to go to uh, Nicaragua. And we were going to take a team back down to a farm that uh, we go up to the northern part of the country and out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there's a, a farm there. And uh, we've been there several times and we're kind of helping develop that farm. So we're putting together a team. It was in December. And all I remember thinking at the time, I really want to go. It'd be so nice. We're going in March. So what's it going to be like here in March? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's it going to be like there? It's going to be 100 degrees. It's going to be warm. I'll be using suntan lotion. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I really, really wanted to go. I've been there a couple of times. I wanted to go, but the problem was I was a little bit worried about my health. And I've shared this, but over the last years, I've been, uh, last year, I've been dealing with some health issues, some neuropathy, some pain in my hands and my feet with just some tremors in my body with some fatigue. And uh, I really, really wanted to go. But all I kept thinking about was, um, I don't know if I can do it. The travel is going to be hard. And uh, sitting on a plane all that time, I knew it was going to be painful. And then the heat often, I don't react well to that. 
you know, I like it, but I don't like working in it. Um, the hard work, the lack of sleep. And so anyways, back in December, beginning of the year, it, first week in, in January, I had to make a decision. So I prayed about it and I just decided it was one of these decisions. It's kind of like the first point. I decided, am I going to be controlled by my fear and my what ifs? What if I don't feel good? What if it's too hot? What if my hands hurt? Or am I going to be controlled by God? And I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to trust in God. So I made the choice and I said, you know, I'm going to face my fears and I'm going to go to Nicaragua. And even though I don't feel good, made the decision. And then I kind of had this feeling like once I decided to go, I don't know why, but in the back of my mind, I thought God's going to be so impressed I bet, I bet I'm going to feel really good. And so I made the decision and we bought the tickets and then I felt, and then physically I got worse over the next couple of weeks. And, and as I felt worse, and as I felt worse, I realized I became more and more anxious about it. And, and here's what I realized at one point. I was getting ready to go to Nicaragua. I remember telling God, God, I don't just want to be obedient, right? It was, sometimes we think that all God wants from us is our obedience, and I just want to tell you that when that's how you approach God, you don't get God. If you think that that's what God basically wants from you is your obedience, then you don't understand God. It's only half of the equation. It's, only, it's like the foundation of the, the equation. So God doesn't want you just to obey him because he, he's up in heaven and he's insecure and he's like, I just got to find someone to obey me because I always feel better about myself when people obey me. The reason God wants you to obey him is because what it does when you do that. It produces joy and it produces godliness and you get to enjoy God. And so I remember one, one night praying to God and saying, you know, God, I don't just want to obey you by going to Nicaragua. I want to enjoy it. If I'm going to go there, I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the fellowship. I want to enjoy the work. I want to enjoy the travel. I want to enjoy being with the people. I want to enjoy it. I don't just want to go. I want to enjoy it too. And so I took a couple days to fast and to pray and to take it to God. And here's what happened at the end of fasting and praying. God did not improve my health at all. Didn't improve at all. But I felt so much peace in my heart about going. It was great. God didn't change my circumstances, but he absolutely, you know what he did? He did what he's talking about here. He guarded my heart and he guarded my mind. And I'll tell you what, looking back, I'm so, it was such an incredible blessing to be able to go. I, it would not have been a blessing to me if I had just gone to be obedient. What made it a blessing was I went and I wanted to enjoy what God had for me. And so that's part of the reason that we do this. That's why God doesn't want us to settle for just obeying him and being stressed out. John Wesley said this. He said, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Now that's crazy. How many of us can say that? How did he do that? He said this. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and I thank God that he's still on the throne, still reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life. He just, I mean, how awesome is that? He says, whenever I start to fear uh, something, whenever anxiety wells up in me, he says, I just, I just close my eyes. I just lay down on my bed. I just, I pull the car over on the side of the road. You know, I just find a quiet spot and I close my eyes and I remember that God is on the throne and I remember how awesome he is and I remember how much I love him and I remember how much he loves me. And I think about all the good things he's done in my life. I think about the ways that he's blessed me. I think about the blessings in my life. And, and what he says is you can do the same thing. When you start to feel fear, just close your eyes and think about your God and allow God to, to come between you and your fear. In John 16, Jesus said this. He said, I've told you these things so that, that in me you may have peace. 
Not anxiety. Okay, remember, that's not God's will for you. God does not want you to be anxious. God does not want you to be worried so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, right? Duh, all right, because that's the world we live in. In this world, you're going to have trouble, right? But take heart, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. So, Jesus says, stop playing the what-if game, right? Stop playing that game and start trusting God. And my question for you is just this. Where do you need to do that today? What is, what's going on in your life right now that has filled you with fear that you're worried about? What is it that really right now has gotten between you and God? And I want to encourage you to do a few things. First of all, I want to encourage you to just take some time to recognize and just admit what that is to God, maybe to somebody that you can trust, maybe somebody before you leave here tonight to just say, you know, I've never told this to anyone, but here's what I'm afraid of. And I just need someone to pray for me and someone to encourage me. And then I want to encourage you this week to take that thing that you're afraid of and to begin to seek God. Seek God, seek God, seek God's peace in your life and in that situation. And God may change your situation. I mean, it may be that God takes away the thing that you're afraid of. But it also may be that God just changes your heart, that he gives you peace, even in the midst of a difficult situation. Well, I want to just pray for us really quick, and then uh, we're going to have a baptism. Let's pray.